by Swayman. And the Boston netminder has his third shot out. Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 75. 75. Mel, the Connor Clifton episode. I was waiting for the Connor Clifton episode. <laughs> Did you know, a little fun fact, his, the- I love fun facts. The college, sorry, the university that he went to is the defending mm-hmm. national champions. Yeah, because every player they have is like 28 years old. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey, welcome back to the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, episode 75, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, we're back with some bees talk. Um, a lot of overtime games lately. In the past five games, Mel. In the past five games, Mel. And I know it's been a West Coast road trip. I know, I know you're uh you're uh, you, you need your beauty sleep, so you can't stay up for all these games, right? Yeah. You can tell I haven't been getting a lot of beauty sleep lately. Yeah, well, you're a beautiful kid, dude. I, 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 every time I look at you, I just I, I look back it's at my time. panel. Dude, I look back at my panel, and I'm just like, God damn it, that is I am an ugly motherfucker. Can dude, I just I say though, your when we had you literally shaved right before we recorded last week, and you already yeah. have more facial hair than I would have if I let mine go for two and a half months. Let me tell you, this is listen. I don't, I don't like it, dude. I don't like how fast it, no, I like the beard. I don't like how fast it grows. Do you, oh my God, there are so many men that would kill to have what you have who can grow facial hair that fast. If I, like, you don't understand. Every now and then I decide to grow a beard. I got to plan it out months in advance to see what's going on in my life. <laughs> if I can have a beard, because it's a commitment for me. It takes me months. There's been times where I had a beard and I was, I was shaving and I use a Phillips Norelco. I don't know what you use to shave. And I'll, you know, I'll have the guard on and I'm, I'm shaving and all of a sudden, whoop, the, the guard comes off and now I got to streak up my face. And guess what? This beautiful beard that's now a half inch off my face. That's taken me four and a half months to grow. <laughs> I got to shave it all off. And I know I won't get here again until my 26th birthday. And, and that's how it goes for most American men who don't grow facial hair as fast as you. Hey, maybe that might be a little throwback to uh to to the beginning of the season. Maybe you, all you need to grow a really quick beard is to turn twenty six and have your frontal lobe fully developed, and then that's the key. That's but the correlation. You asked me what I shave with. It's not a Phillips Norelco. It's a straight blade, like a razor blade. Yeah, you like a like a barbarian, like a barbarian. 
My God, we're not living in the 1930s anymore. You got outlets in your bathroom. Use an electric razor. It's so much easier. Yeah, but like you don't get the nice precision from the from the straight razor or from the from the electric razors. <laughs> you know how you do it? You you take your razor and you just you you turn it about 90 degrees and you put it on an angle and you can use it edge just like a straight razor. Listen, I've never been a math guy, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us are. This is actually a math podcast. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Algebra 2. Um, oh god i never about, got past algebra one <laughs> i didn't either today we're learning about quadratic equations um, i didn't prepare for this episode i had um wait, wait, do you remember wait. in high school sorry no no i was gonna no no you go first you go first do you remember in high school when we learned the uh the what's the formula for the triangle begins with an h hi no why Y equals no Pen- pentagram theorem that's what i was thinking <laughs> of do you remember learning that in high school I remember almost nothing from high school, but I do remember the Pythagorean theorem. The Pythagorean theorem is one of the only things I remember from high school, like math. For I, I am, I can't do math. I can't do any math at all. The only math I can do <laughs> is uh, I can. I'm really good at dividing up the number 16 because of the NFL schedule I've been used to my whole life. This 17th game really threw a wrench in my plans. I'm good at like averages because i watch a lot of baseball i can do very simple math i'm good at like betting splits because i lose more money than i've ever made on if i didn't that's that's a different story but i'm i'm very good at simple math and when it comes to um when you throw letters at me uh and shapes i that's when i i lose the plot and it starts looking like hieroglyphics but i was gonna say the pythagorean theorem i remember learning that in high school and the only reason i remember it was because it's like a common joke among high schoolers that like when are we ever gonna need this when are you ever gonna learn you know need to use a pythagorean theorem post high school i finally had to use it because my aunt was doing some sort of scavenger hunt thing and you had to find the side of a triangle when you were given two other sides and i thought this is my time to shine this is this is what i went to high school for so i don't how did we start talking about math how did the hell did we get here that's what I was going to say. So speaking of, math, <laughs> speaking of math, dude, the Bruins have played five in the last five games for the Bruins. West Coast Road Trip, Slumber and Mel. <laughs> How many games of those last five went to overtime? Uh, I'm going to... Without looking, without looking. This is a total shot in the dark. I'm going to guess three of them went to overtime and one went to a shootout. That's correct, Mel. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder. It's like I have a Bruins podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, a lot of extra time lately. Um, the goal scoring is there. Um, you know, in the past, let's say, five games, three, four, that's seven, one, that's eight, um, 11. <laughs> 12, 13, You're 14. not doing anything good to help put out that we're bad at math claims. No, I no, still count I, with my fingers. The amount of times I look down, um, it's like a simple 11 plus 7. And I'm like, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Oh, I counted I'm, my thumb. I'm so bad at math, I don't even know how to use a calculator. I have to Google like stuff. Like I, no, instead, I, of inputting, a- instead of inputting what I'm trying to do into a calculator, I don't even know how to – like I, the equation in, to get the solution I, I'm looking for is it evades me. I just got to Google it. <laughs> that yeah. gives me a, and then i just roll with whatever I'll, it'll be like i don't know i'm trying to find some simple number in like the year 
1740 will come up and I'll be like, oh, that, okay, that must be right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. But um, yeah, man, I mean, the Bruins, they're, they're on a good little streak right now. Um, <clears throat> still atop the division, 26, 8, and 9, 61 points. Um, Florida, good though. Team. Dude, Florida is playing some good hockey. Um, I believe the, in their last 10, they're 8, 1, and 1. They've got 57 points, so four points behind Boston um, with the same amount of games played. And honestly, right now, that's your biggest threat to, to first place in the division. Toronto's in third right now, um, 50 points, kind of a dumpster fire of a team. They, they can't really seem to find any mojo or at I least consistent it. mojo. Love it. Um, Detroit, uh, fourth place in the division, 49 points. Um it, it, it's I I really think it's a two team race right now. Unless Toronto can really turn on the Jets, I mean they don't have goaltending. They have like eighty percent of their cap locked up in four players. In what world that that's going to work? I don't know what world it is. Um, but are you worried about Florida? I mean Sam Reinhart is humming. I think Matt Kachuk has fifteen points in his last five games. Sergey Bobrovsky is playing well. Um, and they're a deep team, dude. They're a deep team. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to be an idiot to not be worried about Florida. I mean, yeah. we all saw what happened last year, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they had your number in the first round. But no, I mean, it, it's a good team. I know they had some losses. Uh, you know, like they, of, of course, they still have Verhage. They still have Reinhardt and Kachuk, but they lost Gudis. They lost, uh, I mean, how many games did Anthony, how many games, did, I know we were always talking about Duclair, but I know he was in there on the Panthers for a hot minute last year. I think he was hurt for most of the year though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think they were a team this year that a lot of people thought that they, they could be good again because of how hot they were to end the year and the run that they had, but still there were teams in the East that had a more talented roster, but they just, this is what they do. Like they're like the Baltimore Orioles. I feel like of, or the Tampa Bay Rays, maybe would be a better example of the, I feel like the, the NHL world where like they don't have the most talented team on paper, especially comparing to some of these other teams in the division, but God damn it. They are a freaking wagon. When they get hot, they get rolling. They got some game breakers on that team. Like you said, Sam Reinhardt, what's starting to have 30 goals this year. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah, dude. I, Out of no, even Carter Verhage, I believe, is on a point per game pace right now. I think he's got like forty points in forty games or something like that. I mean, this team, top to bottom, Bobrovsky's having a great year. I mean, god damn it, like it sucks. Yeah. And like, and, and this is a team too. Like, they're last year they weren't great in the regular season. Obviously, they just squeaked into that eight seed, but they caught fire in the playoffs. And some teams do that. And I think the question was if they were going to be able to replicate what we saw in the playoffs last year in the regular season this year. And like you just said, everybody, I feel like, I mean, obviously us, because we're all Bruins fans, but we've been so focused on the Bruins. And I feel like what also goes with being a Bruins fan is being focused on the Maple Leafs too. And I feel like I've been so consumed by what's been happening in Toronto and celebrating what's been happening here in Boston that like, holy shit, 43 games played each Bruins and Florida Panthers. And they're four games back on Boston right now. So they really came out of nowhere, and I think that if, if you're a Bruins fan and you aren't worried by the Florida Panthers, all you got to do is go back and watch that seven-game series from last year because this team is a freaking wagon. Yeah, and, and like you said, too, about how they caught fire and kind of – excuse me, how they how they made playoffs <laughs> in the last – like the last game of the season, essentially. A lot of that core is still there. They, they really didn't have too much turnover, and right now Sam Reinhart is – 
tearing up the league. He's got 55 points in 43 games. You're right. He has 32 goals. Um, Barkov, 46 points. Carter Verhage, 43 points in 43 games. So right on the money right there again. And then Matt Kachuk, 42 points in 43 games. And that's for a guy who started the season kind of sluggish. Like, he wasn't on his game. Um, I heard on Spit and Chicklets today, uh, they mentioned how Paul Maurice just a few games ago mentioned how Kachuk was about to catch fire. And what does he do? He goes out and he gets 15 points in five games. Like, this is just the kind of player he is. Um, the Florida Panthers aren't the rollover team that they used to be. They're they're a respected team. And if people continue to sleep on them and just go like, eh, eh it's the Panthers. It doesn't matter. That's Florida. They have no fans. Like, that argument alone right there, that's so old. But, but I mean, watch out, for, watch out for Florida. These games are going to be big. Every divisional game is going to be huge from this point out. Yeah, they're really they're really getting a lot of production from players that um, I, I don't know if flying under the radar would be the right. I mean, I'm sure Florida Panthers fans have been enamored with them for a while, but like I'm just looking. We were just talking about Sam Reinhart. Just to put into perspective, David Poshnok has 26 goals in the same amount of games. Sam Reinhart has 32. I mean, he's got six more goals than David Poshnok does. The guy who had 61 goals last year, Alexander yeah. Barkov, a guy who could very well win the. Uh, the Patrice Bergeron show for this year, 46 points in 40 games. My God, Verhage, 43 and 43. And of course, you were mentioning Makachuk, who's been on fire lately, 42 and 43. So they've got, a, I mean, if you want to include Makachuk, who's at a point away, they got four players on their team who are at least a point per game player right now. That yeah. is unbelievable. Bobrovsky has been able to turn back the clock a little bit, two, four, five goals against average, eh, 9-11 save percentage. I mean, he was a guy last year who, before the playoffs last year, I mean, he it was like one of the worst contracts ever. $9 yeah. million dollars to open the door for Florida. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> playing. Spencer Knight was their guy. I mean, he they they nobody could take this guy off of Florida because his contract was so big and he was doing literally nothing. The playoffs come around. He turns the clock back to prime Columbus Blue Jackets, the goalie that the Flyers let walk away, Survey Bobrovsky. And this year, he's doing it again. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not playing. He's not going to win the Vesna. He's not having top five goaltender numbers, but a 245 goals against average and a 911 save percentage for a guy who I think a lot of people were considering somebody in the twilight of their career before the playoffs started last year. Ah, uh, man, like this is a team that has a, a big chip on their shoulder. I think they have a lot of people that they want to prove wrong. I think that's been one of the things that's really been fueling the Bruins this year is, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they heard the talk. I mean, you know, Bergeron's gone, Krejci's gone. You lost, I think, six or seven top guys, important guys from your team last year, not even including Bertuzzi or Orlov. And then to have the season they had last year, to lose in the first round, and all you heard all offseason from everybody, rightfully so, was, oh my God, you know, the Bruins did it again. They blew it again. They choked. They, Whatever you want to say about this team. And the Bruins came out screaming hot this year because they had a chip on their shoulder. And it pissed off everybody in the locker room, and they had something to prove. And on the same sense, I mean, here's Florida. They were the eighth seed last year. Nobody believed in them. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And there were still people, myself included, doubting them this year. There's no way they can recreate that. They caught lightning in a bottle last year. There's no way that they're going to start off this season as well as they finished last season. And admittedly, they didn't. They've been on one hell of a heater as of late. But here they are suddenly. We're at the halfway point through the season. And they're knocking on the door being first or in the Atlantic, right behind the Bruins. I think that these are, these are two teams that I think are very similar in terms of how I feel like it's they almost have like an us against the world mentality. And I feel like honestly, any team that has Mac and Chuck on it that has puts a C in his chest is going to have that kind of mentality as well. Oh, yeah. And 
honestly, I would love, I would love if these two teams were in the playoffs again. I think that would be a really fun seven game series. Yeah, the the storylines along another Panthers Bruins series would be insane. And not to mention, by the way, I don't even want to bring it up because there's no way it's happening. But Patrice Bergeron has been skating pretty consistently. Dude, time out, dude. And and somebody asked him about it. And God damn it, I know we're gonna get flamed for this, but like. It, listen, no, you're getting flamed for this. I'm not. I this know. isn't me. <laughs> I, but okay, but but he's he's uh, he's not coming back, right? But he was asked about it, and his response was a little bit weird. He said he's skating weekly to maintain his shape for the alumni games. That was his answer. Really? Yeah, really? but you know, he's a, he's a funny guy. You know, he likes to joke. Uh, he, no, listen. That's a weird response, though. Is that not a weird? Is that not a weird response? I don't know. Honestly, when I hear you say it, I really don't think it is. Um, maybe if I heard if I heard his <laughs> voice when he says it, because like that's yeah. you know, it's you know, oh um, you know, I'm getting. He knows everybody wants him back, and I think that's just his way of poking fun. Oh yeah, I'm getting ready for the alumni game. Little, but if if little, if you little if, late if February you were, return, if you were that locker room. And if you were Brad Marchand, who has been pretty open about the weight of wearing the C on his sweater, I don't remember what podcast he was on, but he was being interviewed by somebody. I saw it on Twitter and they kind of asked him like, you know, is that kind of like a kick in the nuts? Like here, here, Brad, here's the C. You got to take it. You got to follow Bergeron and Chara. And he was basically saying like, yeah, like he had a lot of sleepless nights. There was a lot of very stressful days and you know, the the weight of wearing being the captain for the Boston Bruins is something that's very, very heavy on him. And I feel like, you know, to give him that honor and to have him wear it for the first 40 games of the year, and then ah, Bergeron's back. Sorry, you're going to have to lose that now for the second half. Or if Bergeron comes back, do they give him back to see? And I know that's like such a minor thing. But like, I don't know. There's no way Bergeron's coming back. He's not in, in hockey playing shape anymore. And I mean, you and I are not professional hockey players. Not even close. Hell, we couldn't, we, we are sucking pond water during our pond hockey games, damn it. I, we can hardly get up and down the ice for that. And, um, but I do remember when I was skating every day back when we were in high school playing hockey, like if I took like a week off for like in the summer for vacation or something, or like if I was sick or something, Oh my God. Like the first couple days back on the ice, I thought I could, I could taste blood in my lungs. I thought I was dying. <laughs> and that's just talking about us, like, you know, playing high school hockey, not at a very high level at all. So for somebody like Patrice Bergeron at age, what, 39 to come back after not playing professional hockey, really only skating in alumni games for the last eight months. And now he's jumping in, playing a big role in the Boston Bruins. It, that, I'm sure he would be the first to tell you he he can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, I despise the fact that I even brought it up. But and I didn't <laughs> and I didn't I didn't even plan on it, but it just crossed my mind. He's I don't think I don't I don't think he's coming back. I just thought that his response was a little <laughs> That's all I thought. But when talking about the Panthers, right? Um I wanted to do this little exercise. So let's compare lines, and then you tell me which line you would prefer, Okay, Panther, Panthers or Bruins. So first line, Bruins, uh, Jake DeBrusque, Pavel Zaka, 
David Posternock compared to Florida's of Evan Rodriguez, Alexander Barkov, and Sam Reinhart. Oh, this year I'd rather have Florida's. Florida? Okay. Um, now going back to the B's second line, we've got <clears throat> Dan, uh, sorry. Yeah, Danton Heinen, Morgan Geeky, and um, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Danton Heinen, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick. Or who? Oh, and then Florida. <laughs> sorry, I forgot that. Carter <laughs> Verhage, Sam Bennett, or Matthew Kachuk. Oh, Florida. Come on. Florida. Boom. Okay, so now we go back again. Now we go uh, Danton Heinen, Morgan Geeky, and um, um, who am I forgetting here? Who am I forgetting here? JVR? JVR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, that was no, that was was that not gave, the whole you what gave did me the, just give you? <laughs> you gave me the Bruins third line. Now I'm waiting for Florida's third line. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Christ, dude. Oh my today was a long day of work. Oh my god. Alright. E2 Lusterine, Anton Lundell, and Ryan Lombard. Um I would take the Bruins third line, but I will be okay. fair. I am not too familiar with the Florida Panthers bottom six. No, I'm, I'm with you on that too. I'm with you through this whole thing so far. And then nice. fourth line, let's see if I can finally nail it down. Um, we got Lauko, Beecher, and Steen against Florida's um, Gadjevich, Stenland, and Lockwood. I'm going to uh, – this is a toss. I don't know a single one of the players you just named on the Florida Panthers. Trash. Okay, then the, then the Bruins. All right, so basically the Bruins have a better bottom six. They're a solid bottom six. All, all you know, bottom six guys are reliable, solid, can produce offensively. They're good in the defensive zone, and they're energy guys. But Florida beats you out in the top six. They clearly have more talent in the top six. The whole like you like the the main targets coming up to the deadline are a center and a top six winger. So right there, that just goes to show you that Florida does have a better top six. I'm sure some will argue either way, um, but the Bruins by far and away blow Florida out of the water with the bottom six. Yeah, I mean the, the Charlie Coyle is third on the Bruins in points with 32. Uh, Makachuk is fourth on the Panthers with 42. I mean, it's it, and it, it's and, and that's on top of Coyle having a career year career right now, year. too. It's it yeah. honestly the biggest thing for Florida has been what we're seeing from Sam Reinhardt. I mean, ho- holy yeah. shit, like yeah. it can't be understated. Like, this guy is freaking exploding this year, and Alexander Barkov, too. He's always been a great two way player. But 46 points through 40 games, I mean, that's – and Car- Carter Verhage, too. Like, when I saw him last year, I wasn't sure if – because he he had 40 – he had 40-something goals last year, if I'm not mistaken. And I wasn't sure if that was a bit of a flash in the pan or if this guy is suddenly – if he's arrived and he's picked up right where he left off last year, 43 and 43 games. And that's not even including the 42 points you're getting from Makachuk. Yeah, last year, um, you're right. <clears throat> Carter Verhage, 42 goals, 31 assists, 73 points. Right now – 43 points in 43. He's a point per game player. So it's, it's guys like that who are, you know, 
they're they're consistently producing offense and the biggest one of the biggest complaints sorry not the biggest but is the offensive consistency from certain guys in the lineup on the Bruins um and that's that's what you need to improve to solidify first in the division, solidify home ice in the playoffs, and solidify a deep playoff run. That's what you need. And that's why teams like Florida are succeeding, because they're getting that. Let me ask you, I know we were just comparing the two teams forwards, but who do you think has a better group of defensemen, though, the Bruins or the Florida Panthers? Um, I would have to go with, I mean... All right, Forsling and Ekblad is the number one pair. And then Boston side, you've got, I mean, right now it's, it's. I, I guess, where would you go? Grizzly and McAvoy? I, yeah, I think I'll go Grizzly and McAvoy. Uh, I would still take the Bruins first pair yeah. over Florida. Just, mostly just because of McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, also the Bruins second line or a second pair of D, Parker, Watherspoon, and Lindholm. Watherspoon is a godsend from well, heaven when healthy you got carlo and Lindholm. right right that's true so all right so bump down Watherspoon to i don't know like cycle out with shattenkirk i guess maybe but all right so then we'll go carlo Lindholm against mikola and montour i'd say carlo and Lindholm yeah. all day yeah and then mahura ekman larson and then you could go i'm um, what like lorai shattenkirk yeah slash Watherspoon. AKA Derek Forbert is in the dumps. He's gone. <laughs> like, he's getting healthy though. He's coming back. I don't care. <laughs> Just to be flat out. Good for him for getting healthy. Like good for him. But I mean, is there even a spot? Is there even a spot for Derek Forbert in this lineup anymore? You can't Unless get rid of Laura. Laura. Yeah. No. No. I- no. Especially in the playoffs too, because the, the Bruins they, they were they were too slow last year. Their defense was too slow. And if here's this hypothetical, they're playing the Florida Panthers again. I want Lorai's speed in there defensively, and yep. you know he's, he's he's a better better skater and he's stronger. I'm not stronger on a skate team. Better skater and he's faster than uh, Derek Forbert was, who was almost unplayable the first what three or four games of the first round last year. He was so damn bad. Dude, but not only that, but Mason Lorai, like what you get with Derek Forbert is very um, consistent and and you, basically you know what you're getting. You're getting a stay-at-home defenseman who's going to eat shots and he's just going to be whatever. Like, you know what I mean? He's not going to do anything special. Mm-hmm. But Mason Lorai, I mean, how many times recently especially have we seen him make these crazy plays at the blue line – where he finds open space, he creates open space for himself, and then that in turn makes everybody move, find the open guy, and then all of a sudden you have a scoring opportunity. Derek like, Forbert's not doing that. <laughs> he, I don't think oh, he yeah. ever has. No, I know. Laura, he's a magician with the puck. And I think that's why you have, uh, when healthy, two goalies who can do what they do, given uh, if we're talking about the playoffs – I hope we're getting the right version of Linus Omark to show up to those games. But, you know, hypothetically, that's why you have the goalies that you do. You have the best two top five goalies in the league. They're rating Vesna winner. That's not even including Jeremy Swayman, who could be a Vesna winner this year. That's why you have those guys. So you can have your defenseman go out there with some balls and do some shit in the blue line and create some offense. And they can bail you out when you need them. And uh, I think if you were to play the Florida Panthers in the playoff series, I think that there would definitely be moments where Mason Lorraine makes a head-scratching play and when he probably coughs a puck up and just sells his goal in his own zone. That's going to happen. 
But I feel like, to your point, I feel like what he can bring to the table that Forbert just physically can't do, I feel like justifies him being in that third that third pairing role if that's how they want to do it. Yeah, and I'll take I'll take a couple mistakes from Lorai. You know, I'll I'll take for, that for, for all of the potential. Like, yeah, that he yeah, can give you offensively. Yeah, exactly. And God damn it, like he's been playing so well. I think he's finally comfortable here. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think he's too worried about going up and down. I think he's he's been here for what? Like, when was the last time he was sent down? Like a month and a half ago? Like, he's yeah. been here for a while now. I think he's earned the trust and, and he's getting better every single game at the responsibilities that he's expected to hold. Well, so now the Bruins will have some uh, some questions they have to answer because if you don't want to send Lorai down, and Watherspoon's been looking really good since really they called good. him up. What did, what are you gonna do when Forbert's ready to come back? Nine trade four, him, dude. Nine <laughs> four. Like really, like really, really. I don't like. I I mean, honestly, if they want to go that route and have him go in the ninth floor, I mean, talk about a great situation the Bruins have. I mean, on yeah. on one end you have this this incredible offensive dynamo in Mason Lorai, this six foot six Godzilla like creature who can skate around everybody out there who makes <laughs> some mistakes in the defensive zone, but he's a hyper offensive threat anytime he's touching the puck. And on the other end, up on the ninth floor, you have this guy who at times can play a lockdown lockdown style of defense who's a defensive defenseman who's physical in front of the net and blocks some shots so maybe you're playing a slow-footed team with some you know bigger guys okay well let's roll out forward for this game and then for the other you know 60% of games you know that you're going to go with Lori honestly that's a good position to be in i just don't know if i want to pay you know three million dollars to have a guy sit up on the ninth floor and wait for you to call his number when you're playing a team where you need him to step in and that's when it gets a bit a bit dicey when the trade deadline comes up yeah oh man i'm sure there's going to be some teams out there who are looking for a serviceable left shot defenseman either i'm just of, worried what it's going to cost the bruins to trade could be defenseman. but it could be if not one player it could also be two players but Do you before think- we no, no, go ahead. Do you think I know Grizzlick has been playing like just just a pile of ass lately? Do you think he's playing like this maybe because he hears the rumblings and the rumors involving his name? I mean, I think I think it's definitely a possibility. I think he got off to such a bad start this season that when people started to kind of jump on his case a little bit, then it just got worse and worse. <laughs> and now it's now because everybody is kind of talking about it. The um, there's more of an emphasis on it, and I don't know if it's necessarily. I don't know if it's necessarily him. I think it's more just everybody sees it now, and they're like, "Oh, dude, like we could have somebody that's a little bit of a higher skill level or more potential." It just sucks because, like, when he's on his game and when he's the Matt Grizzlick that he is most of the time, his dad's there in the bull gang with his nose pressed against the glass watching his son every single night. He's a good player. Like he, he is, is a good defenseman. He's a top four defenseman and he's fantastic as McAvoy's partner. That's his guy. And it just stinks when he gets in, in these funks, when he's playing how he is now, because there's times he's almost unplayable. I mean, some of the mistakes yeah. that he's making and some of the defensive positioning is just a bit head scratching. And that's when I start to look at like other reasons why this, you know, oh, you know, why this could be. I remember when um, 
um, the year that Tuka Rask was still floating around here. And when he came up and he played those four games in the middle of the season and then when you know he retired at the end of the year, I remember there were times that that season where like Swayman sucked and Omar sucked too. And I remember thinking back then, oh, I wonder if maybe, you know, for Swayman, that must be hard. Like the glooming thought of, you know, here's this franchise goalie. He's coming back at some point. He's rehabbing. The Bruins haven't signed him yet. They're going to sign him back. I'm going to go back down to Providence and this guy's going to take my spot. Obviously, we all know what ended up happening, but I imagine in the head of a player, maybe like Matt Grizzlick, here's this phenom left shot defenseman, Mason Lauren. They've been talent for the last couple of years. He's finally here and he's getting more ice time than I am. And here's this other left shot defenseman, Derek Forbert, that everybody is screaming from the rooftops. They want to trade him out of this town. The only two guaranteed left shot defensemen on this team that are looks like they're going to stick around are Hampus Lindholm and Mason Lorai. And I'm sure if I was Matt Grizzick, I would be like, well, what does that mean for me? I mean, his contract's coming up too. I don't know. I, I think maybe, you know, some of the uh, outside stuff maybe is starting to creep into Matt Grizzick's head, and maybe that's why he hasn't been playing this year as he has in the past. Yeah, I actually... I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I I could see Macrizic being moved before Forbert because because you could actually get at least a little bit of something for Grizzlick. Forbert, you're begging anybody to take at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. But even before we jump into the next uh, topic, we're about halfway through the episode right now, so I thought it would be a good time to jump into the voicemails and the DMs. Um, <laughs> As always, the we'll, start, line. we'll start with the Lova line, jump into the rest of the voicemails. and then The get sticker into man, the, he got his the, stickers. The sticker <laughs> man, dude. All right, we got two voicemails from Lova. These are both Sunday night. Who did the Bruins play Sunday night? Uh, Sunday night was... Um, Sunday uh, night, they, they did not play anybody Sunday night. This was the okay. night after they beat the Blues in overtime and the night before they beat the New Jersey Devils 3 to nothing. He gave us a ring at 10, 11 p.m. By the way, did you see the stat that Jeremy Swayman has a shutout in 11.4% of his stats? Yeah, that's, that's, that's batshit crazy. Crazy. I can't believe he's from Alaska. He was almost Russian, you know? He was. He was. He's basically a Russian import. Yeah, pretty much. Thanks, Putin. All right, this is... Uh, <laughs> here's his voicemail. Hang on. Yeah, not Bruins-related, but... Uh... I wonder if you guys saw like all of her like chicklets like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Uh, Terry Ryan, 47 year old former NHLer, suited up for the Newfoundland Growlers in the ECHL. So random, and he, and he, and he dropped them in. What the heck is going on there? That's sick, but like so random. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Did you hear about that? I did hear about that. Um, it's a really cool story. I mean, I admittedly I wasn't too familiar with it all until I listened to the Chicklets episode today with um the Terry Ryan interview. Obviously, I've heard of Terry Ryan and Terry Senior, um, and and their whole life and and how involved they are in hockey, and um, it's really admirable, and to kind of see him get back onto the ice. Um, I know he really emphasized his daughter getting to see him play. Um, that was huge for him and kind of getting to end it on a positive note and his professional playing career on a positive note. Um, it was heartwarming. It was awesome. Um, and until I really learned about the story, I wasn't really that involved in it, but 
as I listened to the episode today and as I started reading more about it on Twitter and, and whatnot, um, you know, fighting back from injuries and, and getting back out there, just having your career end the way that it did and not knowing if you'd ever get back out there is devastating. And knowing that he was able to have that opportunity, he almost scored and he did have a fight. So, I mean, hell, hell yeah, dude. Good for you. It's awesome. It's a great story. No, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> I, I I saw it all over uh, Twitter. I saw clips of him out there skating around and the fact that he's, I think this was on his 47th birthday and he yes. went out there and, and, and dropped the mitts. Shout out Chris Davis. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And it, it, he's not the only guy. Obviously, everybody knows Yager's been doing his thing, playing overseas for all this time. Did you hear about Nikolai Habibulin, how he started playing as well in, in the KHL? No. Yeah, 51-year-old Habibulin was playing. I remember it was a couple weeks ago I saw it. Hang on, I'm trying to find the... Habibulin. Habibulin. Yeah, I said Habibulin ret- retired from playing hockey after the 2013-2014 NHL season, but remained in the sport as goaltender coach for Torpedo. Not even going to try to say that it's a team in the KHL. Then it says on December 27th, so what, about... Three and a half weeks ago, he unretired and became a goaltender again. Guess how old he is? 53. He is, well, he was 50. He just turned 51 a couple days ago. God damn. It's, you know, that's, man, I love hockey. That's cool to see some of these old guys going out there and just loving the game and playing their passion. Like Hobby Bullen, man, not even just, you know, not playing hockey. I mean, KHL, it's still professional hockey. It's not the NHL, but to not play professional hockey in 10 years and then at the age of 50 lacing them up and jumping in a KHL game it's crazy is insane as a goaltender my god i would have i would have went down once to stop a puck and that's it for me and i'm 25 i would, yeah. <laughs> I would not be able to go back out there again so i thought that the Terry Ryan story was really cool as well i need to listen to the new episode though i know they were talking about the the uh, the Cutter Gauthier shit with yeah dude i just, actually i just finished that episode on my way home dude it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm about, I'm about halfway through the cutter stuff. Do, Scott Hartnell's take, his reasoning as to why he requested a trade. Do you think that's it? I think so. Because he's so in touch with like the, the front office of the team. I I mean, if Cutter Gauthier had more to say, I feel like he would have said it. He had an opportunity to. I don't want to take anything away from the episode, so I encourage people to go listen to it. But just kind of in a nutshell, Hartnell was saying that he didn't want to sign with um, Philly, the, the Flyers, because it basically he the the Flyers wanted him to earn his spot on the team, and he didn't yes. want to. Yes, and how um, he finished his college season, he wanted to come play. Did you did not? Uh- no, no, no! Keep going. <laughs> that was that was so loud. You just shook your pants. I didn't think you'd be able to hear it. <laughs> My God, is your ass right next to the microphone? No, it's it, dude. I have a I have a low ass. I didn't think you've it was been, gonna pick it up. You've been burping and farting this episode, dude. I just... <laughs> Okay, I've had beers. I've had McDonald's. I've had More Miller Lights. Morning, dude. You know what I ate today? Not to, just real quick. I had yeah. a I I had a Slim Jim at nine a.m. I had a bag of um, the purple Doritos for lunch, and I had McDonald's on the way home, washed down with a couple of warm Miller Lights. I'm a disgusting human being. You know, you're you're a mailman. You're not 
fight in Vietnam. You can eat normal person food. You don't have to have a Slim Jim at 9 a.m. I remember when you pulled up to my house when you were delivering mail, and I was like, oh, who's a Dunkin' Donuts for? Because you had like four bags of Dunkin' Donuts on the ground. You're like, oh, well, that's for me. And like each, I remember you pulled out a donut. You're like, I'm going to eat this now. You had like four donuts in different bags. You had a couple of teas in there. I'll tell you my, my Dunkin' order really quick, and then we'll get back to the. We'll get back to the <laughs> um, I get a. A uh, maple sugar bacon sandwich. I get a glazed donut, a chocolate frosted donut, a large ice black coffee, two hash browns, snack and bacon, um, and depending on how I'm feeling, a glazed stick too. Your intestines must be like fiber optic cable. You I don't just know heard my intestines. That. You just <laughs> heard my intestines. Yeah, my God. I, I saw your face was turning all red trying to push that out too. You need to get some more fiber in there. <laughs> um. Anyways, back to the Cutter Gautier shit. He was basically saying that his his college season ended and um, he wanted to join the Flyers. Now, this is all hearsay. This is what Scott Hartnell was saying. I don't know if it's true or not. But he is obviously extremely tapped into the Flyers, so I I, be, I would believe anything he says. But yeah. seriously, go listen to the new episode of Spit and Chicklets if you want to get his breakdown of it. This is just quickly going over it. But basically, his college season ended. He wanted to play for the Flyers. If he played for the Flyers, he would have only had like eight to ten games before the season ended. But if he did that, then he would have would have burned one of his years of eligibility. So instead of having three years, he would only have two. And basically Danny Breer met with him and said, yeah, we, you know, we don't want to do that because if that's the case, then you basically have to be on the team next year and we don't want to burn the extra year. And we want you to arrive to training camp next year, dev camp and, and earn that spot. Like, you know, what was he the fifth overall pick? Like you're not just going to be our first line left winger like that. Like you have to earn it like everybody else does. Yeah. Well, good, Apparently good. he was, Look at Shane Wright. Exactly. And well, okay. I think they I think Seattle did Shane Wright dirty though, but still. <laughs> and um and basically he was just like so turned off by that conversation, he vowed to never play for them again. His agent refused to return their calls. Uh Keith Jones and Danny Rier flew out to Sweden to meet with him to talk about, you know, coming to join the Flyers and he refused to meet with them. Or it wasn't Danny Breer, it was Keith Jones and um the other guy, whatever his name is. Um, but it's a, it's a wild story, but I feel like there's probably more than that because I know when he was on, uh, he was on some, when, when I, I I think Scott Hartnell, um, the biggest thing that like kind of turned the flyers off was like you mentioned him not even having the respect to meet with them and, and explain himself. And like, that's a shit, like that's scummy. Like, dude, I, and these are some of the most respected figures in hockey that are flying around the world to meet with yeah. an 18-year-old kid. And he and, and Hartnell even – damn it, now we're just stealing Hartnell's thunder from that episode. But Hartnell was even saying that he handed the Flyers a list of teams that he would get traded to. Are you kidding? John, like uh, You're thinking of John LeClaire. John LeClaire. Yes, that's, that's what I was thinking, thinking of. Yes. And um, – uh, Cutter Gauthier handed the Flyers a list of teams that he would accept the trade to. Are like the audacity of this kid to do that. I thought yeah. I would like listening to that. I was like, no way. And and uh, Hartnell said that there was even teams that Briere was calling about Gauthier, and he would tell them like, hey, we're trading this guy, and they would say, nope, we're good. So clearly, there's something else going on that people don't know about. Because I know um, Cutter was just on an episode of something. He was on somebody's podcast. 
and he was talking about the stuff and he and he like refused to touch it and he he, he kept saying it wasn't over one thing it was there was a list of things that turned him off to the flyers like it wasn't just and you know, this whole example of him not wanting to play for the flyers if he was that turned off by you know them not wanting to let him play the last eight to eight to ten games of you know it would be his rookie season or if it was because um, they wanted him to earn it in like everybody else does that's really only like one reason and i i like think of what you want of this kid i know like the reasons surrounding his trade requests seem really scummy, but like, I don't, I don't think he would do like, come on. Like there had to be something else other than just that. I mean, there another thing they mentioned too, is he didn't want to play for John Tortorella, which to be honest with you, I feel like I could see that. No, I was going to say the opposite, dude. I feel like he would be such a good coach to play for. Hmm. I, I feel like he's definitely meshed as well with some player style, but if what Scott Hartnell is saying is true, then Cutter's Gauthier is pretty soft. Like, I'm sorry. Like this That's is like, what I mean. Like, and he, he like, and, and I, that would be a legitimate reason for him to not want to play for Torts because we all know Torts' reputation. He is brass. He says it like, like it is. He will cuss a guy out to his face. Doesn't care. I mean, he benched Kevin Hayes last year. The team's only all-star, and he benched him like for like seven or ten games in the middle of the year. And I could definitely see that being one of the reasons why Kodogati didn't want to play for the Flyers, although I do think that would be extremely soft of him. That's what I mean. And that with Torts, like, there's like, Torts just cuts out the bullshit. Like, if you don't want to be here, like, fine, fuck you. Like, you're not going to play for me then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the Flyers are doing so well right now, because when Torts finally has all his guys bought into his system, it's all systems go. And when it works, he's a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Obviously, you're right. And with this new age of players and, and generation of talent, it doesn't really mesh well with everybody. And I think that's kind of what they're going through right now, or at least the past, what he's been there for what now, two years. So mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, he's been cutting out the bullshit with the Flyers organization. And all of a sudden now they're second in the Metro right behind the Rangers. And they're, they, they were a team that no one expected to do shit this year, nothing. And yeah. they have, and they have Mitchkov in the system too. Like, dude, they are, <laughs> if he ever comes, <laughs> if he, yeah, if Putin ever lets them leave, scumbag. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation. I wonder just my curiosity wanders if the Bruins were one of the teams that got the call. I, I hardly doubt they would have had any kind of assets to actually pull off a deal for him. But, um, yeah, crazy, 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 you know, Crazy head on an 18-year-old kid who's never played a game in the NHL to put out a trade list to a team that drafted him. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I I I have I feel bad for all parties involved. Well, I mean, I hate the Philadelphia Flyers. And spoiler alert, I hate the city of Philadelphia. I don't like the Eagles. I don't like the Sixers. I don't like the Phillies. And of course, I don't like the Flyers either. And I, 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 I sympathize for them in the sense that they invested a fifth overall pick in this kid by the sounds of it, they did everything they could to make it work with them. Like Danny Briere and his whole team, they they were basically begging this guy's agent to return their calls. They got on a flight and flew to Sweden to meet with this kid. Even when they were negotiating trades with other teams to honor his trade request, they were asking other teams' GMs to please keep this a secret just in case 
Carter Gauthier changed his mind, the kid would be ripped to shreds in Philly. And like they were like, if God forbid this kid wants to stay in Philly, we can't let anybody know that he won a trade request because he would never be accepted by the city. So they did everything they possibly could to do right by the player. And I feel bad for them because this is the outcome. And obviously they didn't want to trade the kid. They, Jamie Drysdale is a good pickup. Like he's a he's yeah. a he's a good he's a good piece for them. And but a still, second. yeah, and a second. But still, like that that sucks to give this guy up. And then on the other sense, I feel bad for Kudagatsi too. Even through all this bullshit, like if what. We're only hearing Scott Hartnell's side, which is the Philadelphia Flyers side. And I'm sure there's a lot more stuff we don't know that's going on, which is why, like, you know, we're kind of make, po- poking fun and calling the kids soft, but we don't know what the hell went on. And I feel bad for him because he's an 18 year old kid. And one of the, if there, if there is one city <laughs> in the world that you don't want to piss off, it is Philadelphia. And yeah. this kid just put a massive target on his back. Luckily, he's at Anaheim. So he's going to Philly, what, once a year? But, um, I mean, you know, my God. I I have – I'll tell you when we're done recording because I have my own theories as to why he requested a trade. But I, I, I feel like there's going to be more stuff coming out about what went down here because I feel like somebody's not telling the whole story. Yeah. Um, we saw the second call from Louisville, right? We do, yes. This was uh, about 40 minutes later. Uh, let's see what he said. Yeah, this one's Bruins related. Thank God Charlie fucking bingoed an OT last night. <laughs> I think I speak for all Bruins fans right now when I say what would fucking insane if we lost an OT again. But, uh, yeah, you think Bossy should get a game? Because I really want to see Bossy get a game. Well, see what the kid can do. Hey, well, about that. <laughs> um, the Brandon Bussy era is over. <laughs> Brandon Bussy sent back down to Providence um, before it even started. <laughs> yeah, so he won't be getting a start. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I don't really have much on that on that subject. He's down. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have minded seeing a game of Brandon Bussy, the legend of Brandon Bussy. Everything we've been hearing about him, but um. I mean, my God! If the Bruins went into overtime one more goddamn time, <laughs> I, I, I would have done something I regret. Because well, they three straight overtime games following a game that was in a shootout. I mean, you know, I don't, I, I want to win, damn it, and I don't want to put Brandon Bussy out there if, to make that five straight overtime games. I would have lost my shit, but yeah. um, that's good though. I'm happy that Linus Olmark is back. Did they ever like formally? And I mean, I know I'm assuming they said it was a lower body injury, but did they ever specify exactly what it was that he had? No, he probably just. Oh, and that's why hockey really pisses me off because you could have a guy to break his femur and they would call it a lower body injury. You could have a guy stub his toe and it would be a lower body injury. You, oh my God, you could break both shoulders and your elbow and it would be an upper body injury and you could have a nosebleed and it would be an upper body it is so stupid how they like do that shit like just tell us what the injury is damn it like i want to know that's yeah. like, the nosy part in me like at this point i'm pretty sure carlo has a concussion like i'm like 90 percent sure yes yeah probably which yeah. sucks but uh yeah so shout out boston bruins shout out Lovell. um we do have another call this week it's from johnny drummondville over in the uk hey yo and- this is what he had to say. Well, hey, good afternoon, you Boston Bruin 
bollocksing black <laughs> artists. How are you? Greetings from the UK. Johnny here. Absolutely love the show. My favourite is the guy who always phones in with some sort of drunken rambling. He really should be the next president of the United States. Talking of going out and kidnapping people. What about the Czech kid in San Jose? He's on a one-year show-me deal. Five goals, seven assists. But he was sixth overall about five years ago. Czech kid, we could reunite him with his Czech mates, Zaka and Pasta. Who knows? Easy, quick deal. That might be interesting. Any case, keep up with the great work. Absolutely love the show. I would phone him, but there's far too many digits. I'd get writers cramped just trying to put it into my phone. Any case, all the best. Much love. Toodle pip. <laughs> Johnny, the fucking man, dude. Wait, am I the um, drunk guy who rambles on? No, Wovo. Oh my god. I <laughs> he said he should be the next president. Oh my god. I would vote for Lobel for president. I would vote for Lobel. Do you, dude? I hope okay, but in his cabinet. Johnny's talking about uh, Philip Zadina. Philip Zadina and the points that he made reuniting him with Zaka and Pasta as, you know, check uh, another check line. That could be interesting. Um, Philip Zadina right now, obviously he's on a one-year deal in San Jose. Uh, five goals. Was, he, was he the one who was waived by a couple of teams? Um, or is that, he, or is that Ver- Verona? Who am I thinking? Well, of? no, you're thinking of Verona. But oh, okay. Zadina was originally drafted by Detroit. Um, he's on a one-year, one point one million dollar deal. That could be an interesting uh, little pickup. Honestly, could be. I don't know too much about his game. I'm just looking at uh, what was he the sixth overall pick? Yeah, sixth overall pick in 2018. Another Czech guy. Six foot, 200, right wing, career high of 10 goals, career high of 24 points. He's never once had a positive plus minus. He's a negative 28 this year, but he is on San Jose. Yeah. So I'll give him that. I have such a soft spot for check lines that let's do it. Screw it. Dude, I mean, but I don't know. Is, what- like, you're taking no risk, dude. It's a $1.1 million deal for one year. You have no, there's, there's no, um, you know, listen, um, what? listen. All I'm, all I'll say is I'm looking at these numbers, and they look very similar to another 24 year old sixth overall pick that the Bruins picked up and turned him into a one C. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. His name also started with the Z. That's all I'm saying. I it also had five letters in it. Oh, Zadina has six. <laughs> my my fault. Math, but you know what guys. I'm saying. Yeah, oh my god. But uh no, I mean Dude, I wouldn't mind picking up Zanina, seeing what he can do here. He's only twenty-four. I mean, there's so but, much ceiling left. There is, and I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him, but at the same time though, like he's not gonna push this team. The oh, the Bruins aren't gonna be Stanley Cup favorites tomorrow because they picked up Zadina tonight. And like they don't exactly like I have no idea what he would cost. I don't know what his value would be. I'm sure it wouldn't be too, too high. Um, I mean, but like if, if the Bruins, like if the Bruins are to get a right winger, I'm not picking up Zadina. I'm picking up somebody else who can maybe be that missing piece to the puzzle. But if you're taking a flyer on Zadina, then go for it. But like how many flyers are you going to, you're, you're like Oprah handing out flyers to players left and right here. Now, like we got to make some, some big boy moves here and push this team over the top. The thing is though, I feel like this is the year of value signings, right? Like you see JVR, you see Shattenkirk, 
Um, you see guys like Beecher getting a chance. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm missing one per, Oh, Danton Heinen, obviously. All these value signings, dude, and they're performing. A 24-year-old, former sixth overall pick, he put up 82 points in 57 games in his draft year. He has the offensive capabilities. He started out on a shitty Detroit team, and now he's on a shitty San Jose team. If you maybe put him into this lineup with a pure elite goal scoring sniper like David Pasternak and another Czech center, Pavel Zaka, he's 24. I mean, fuck, dude, he still has so much time. Yeah, which which could be a lot of fun to maybe watch him blossom in the system. And I'm not saying that they sh- they should not get him because I don't think that he can maybe turn into that guy someday. I'm just thinking of it more of like a like a trade deadline pickup. If the Bruins only move on the trade deadline is trading for Philip Zadina, mail it in. Because what the hell is that? Like Zadina isn't going to be the one guy who's going to be pushing this team over the edge. Like the Bruins need a second line right winger. They need a score to alleviate some of the pressure off of David Postonok. Brad Marshall on 35 turning 36 with his two bad hips is at a point per game pace. God damn it. Like this guy needs some goddamn help. We were just talking about the Florida Panthers. They got four players who, are at, who have over 40 points this year. The Bruins have... Two players over 30. Sorry, Charlie Coyle has 32, who's having the greatest year he's ever had in his entire life. If the Bruins at the trade deadline want to make a move to put this team in a position to win a Stanley Cup this year, it's not picking up Philip Zadina. Sure, maybe he can maybe become a, 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 a decent player in a couple years from now. But if you're going to be investing assets to pick up a guy, go pick up somebody who's already proven that he can score. Go pick up some guy who's shown in other systems he's a reliable top six forward. It's not Philip Zadina. If you could take a waiver on a guy, like you said, and it costs like, I don't know, is Anders Bjork out there? Go pick him up and trade him again. Like if you could, if you could do that for like a Philip Zadina, then go for it. But if you're going to pick him up with the hopes that he's going to be the missing piece to this puzzle, you're going to, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Your hand's been up for quite some time now. Yeah, dude, my hand hurts. Anthony Duclair. Just to- yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, the just player. Just to go back to your take. Yeah, just to go back to your take. Anthony Duclair. That's the guy. That's the guy. They are teammates. Maybe the Bruins could lump them together and get them in the same deal. (laughs) They could, maybe. Um, But yeah, so shout out to Johnny. Hopefully more of those um, voice messages come in. Um, If you're listening, he didn't call the voicemail line. He just sent um, a voice memo on Twitter through DMs. So if you're more comfortable doing that and you want to join the show by doing that, by all means, that works as well. But just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Um, follow him on Twitter at that Johnny D. Going into the DM questions now. Let's start here. So this question comes in from Island Stew, our boy Stew over Stew. in Guernsey. At follow him on Twitter at Guernsey Stew eighty six. This one's interesting, Mel, and I'm really, really, really interested to hear your take. Oh God, okay. Your final three D pairings for the playoffs with seventh mentioned. No trades. You start. No trades. Um, do I have to start? Do you want me to go? Hang on. All right. Yeah, no, you go for a second. Hang on. <laughs> All right, all right. Here's what I'm thinking, right? I know I got it. This is what I'm doing. Ready? Top okay. pairing. 
Lori McAvoy. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. My second pairing, Carlo and Lindholm. Shocker. In my third pairing, can I get an opponent? Who are we playing? Florida. Forget what I just said. First pairing, <laughs> Grizzlick, Grizzlick, McAvoy. Second pairing, Carlo, Lindholm. Third pairing, Lori. Watherspoon. Really? Nope. Lori and Shattenkirk. All right. Well, you fuck. You and I have the exact same thing. Watherspoon really? seventh. Yeah, Watherspoon yeah. seventh. Oh man. Ideally, Probably. ideally. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me just. What I was originally going to say, because just because Florida Panthers, because I feel like we know what happened last year. The Bruins weren't physical enough. Their defense looked terrible, and I thought that they were too slow to the puck, which is why I put Grizzlick in there because I thought that even though the Bruins lost every game that Grizzlick played, I, I thought that he was. Not the main reason that they lost. I thought he was considerably better than Forbert was when he was in there, which is why I had Grizzlick playing and not Forbert. And that's also why I had Lorbert. Lorbert. Oh my God. Lorbert. Lorai playing. I had Lorai playing over Forbert for that exact same reason, as well as the reasons we said at the beginning of the episode. And I originally had Lorai and Watherspoon because I really like what I've seen from Watherspoon, but I am not playing two rookies together. In the playoffs, which is why I put Lori with veteran Shattenkirk. Now, oh, if we're Lord not Bird. playing the Florida Panthers and we're playing, let's say, a team like say Carolina, say Carolina. Carol- okay, if they're playing Carolina, I'll do Lori and McAvoy. I'll do Carlo and Lindholm, and I will do. Uh, uh, Forbert and Shattenkirk. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I do like I do like uh, Grizz McAvoy, Lindholm Carlo, and Lori Shattenkirk. And then Watherspoon and Shattenkirk can cycle in and out. But I really, li- I really, really like those pairs. Um, I just... If you're going to upgrade Grizz like you do, but, but obviously this is without any trades so i i'm uh and i feel like i am in a uh, just a a toxic relationship with Derek forbert because when he's in the lineup man i want him out of it and when he's out of the lineup i want to put him back in i don't like i really can't explain it like i recognize that the the things that he can bring to a game it's just sometimes he is unplayable with how yeah. slow he is. And when they play teams that aren't as fast and he isn't getting just beat to the corner every single time and when he's physical in front of the net and we make fun of him all the time for blocking shots, but when he's taking up passing lanes and he's using his stick, he's a valuable player, which is why I don't want to just not include him in a playoff roster. Like I want to keep him as a, at, at the very least your seventh defense, defender because like in the playoffs, like if if uh, Lori just like you can't you can't shit your pants in the playoffs, man. Like if it's if it's one game, right? And and like say the Bruins, it's it's one nothing. Bruins have home ice advantage. They win game one, game two, they lose because Lori is just. At the look at the player cards, and he's the worst player. He's got double digit turnovers, and he's making bad passes all over the ice. You can't play him game three. 
because now you're going into the other team's barn for two games. You can't, you got to win those games. And I don't know. I, I like having the yin and yang that they offer you where Lorai is great offensively. You're developing his defensive game, but you know what you're going to get defensively with Forbert. You just got to be cautious of who they're playing against. But at the same time, I don't want to leave Wallerspoon out either. It's so weird. It's like the same thing we talk about with the forwards. The Bruins have too many bottom six guys. Well, with the defensemen, the Bruins have too many third pairing guys. They got four of them. Like, what are, like, it sucks. Would have been nice. I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Don't. Nikita Zadorov. Yeah. yeah can, I get, right. can I get a Nikita Zadorov, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no. Yeah, can I get a Nikita Zadorov? Nikita Zadorov? I feel like if you asked enough people, though, what their defensive pairings would be for the Bruins going to the playoffs, you would probably get a handful of different answers. I feel like everybody would give you the same second pairing. I feel like it would be a split between Lorai and, and Grizzly on that first pairing. But I feel like the third pairing is kind of just a cluster, and I feel like it's really dependent on who the Bruins are playing. Yeah, I feel like the third pairing is kind of in a cycle. But, um, yeah, shout out Guernsey Stew, Island Stew. Um, follow him on Twitter at GuernseyStew86. But the next one comes in from our boy Ian Kennedy, um, part of the Indie Bleeds Blue podcast on the primetime productions network you follow him on twitter at kennedy i57 he asked <coughs> if the bruins move on from one of both of forbert and Grizzlick, what should a price tag look for either of them i think you i think you can get some value for Grizzlick, like maybe a pick maybe like a third or a fourth depending on who he's going to and then forbert you might have to pay a, a seventh to to get that contract off the books yeah. to be honest. The Bruins, the Bruins aren't asking teams what will they give me for Forbert. The Bruins are asking teams what can I give you for Forbert? Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's the point that they're at. Grizzly, you're right. He has value. You can get a pick for him. You can get a player. But uh Forbert with that contract, they're gonna have a tough time getting rid of him. Yeah. And kind of going back to San Jose, right? And Anthony Duclair, you can probably use Forbert in a package for Duclair to kind of get, you know, kill two birds with one stone, get rid of that contract, also get a top six winger. I'm not saying trade Dark Forbert for Anthony Duclair because that would just get the GM in San Jose fired in an instant. (laughs) What I'm saying is, right, so you add, say, Forbert, a fourth-round pick, and a Merkulov or a Mark McLaughlin – uh, some, Harrison. Some, Brett Harrison that's a good one okay so Brett Harrison Derek Forbert a fourth round pick for Anthony Duclair you shed the money you bring in a top six winger and all of a sudden your team is a little bit deeper you don't have the Forbert contract to worry about anymore that's gone you didn't have to buy him out you got rid of it in a way that clears you of that so and you also had a top six winger so something like that where you can kind of utilize Forbert in a trade like that just to add a little extra oomph into it because i mean god damn we all know san jose could use the experience of a guy like Derek forbert in that lineup anyways he's like Derek forbert's not completely valueless right like good player just i don't know if he's a good player on a contending team yeah and i'm with you it uh, the big uh, truly i think the biggest thing about his the biggest negative about Derek forbert is his contract yeah, no, me too. And it's and like like we both have said before, he's not a bad player. It's just there's way too many there's way way too many more options on the left side defensive unit that are better than Derek Forbert. That's the only thing. 
And if the Bruins weren't in like absolute cap hell and strapped for money right now, it I would have no problem holding on to Derek. Right. God damn, sorry to Derek Forbert, but there's moves that they got to make and they're running out of money. And uh, he's just, he makes the most sense. Cause like we just said, the Bruins have four bottom three pairing guys right now. And only one of them is making $3 million. And that's Derek Forbert. Yep. Yep. All right. So shout out Kennedy. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at uh, Kennedy. I five, seven. <clears throat> the next one comes in for our guy. Brett Howard, the Howard Show, uh, part of the Only Bruins pod. Um, follow him on Twitter at Brett Howard underscore. He said, "What's going on with Beecha here?" I don't know. I don't know, man. I uh, dude, I hate when they move him to the wing. I, he is a center. He's a center. yeah. Uh, he's a he's a great faceoff guy too. I mean, I don't get it. it. He was he was playing great too. The he had a stretch of really good hockey, and then I remember he got bench was like a, what like a month ago month and a half ago no probably about a month ago he was playing some of the best hockey i've ever seen him play with the bruins i mean given he's played 40 games but you know what i mean and uh he had like two goals in three games or something like that and then he randomly got benched yeah. and, and i remember montgomery said that like oh like he you know he like wasn't playing the right way or like wasn't playing i don't remember the exact words he said but I remember thinking to myself, what the hell is he talking about? Like, this is the best hockey I've ever seen the guy play. If he wanted to say that maybe instead of, you know, scoring goals, he should have been focusing more on two-way game or, you know, I guess playing the role that a typical fourth-line center always does, okay. But I don't think he was doing anything wrong with that either. So I don't know. That's why when we were talking about, like, what is Monty's obsession with benching these young guys between him and Patra? I think – I think – uh when they called Boakfast up, I think they wanted to get a look at him at sea. Um, but we've had the look. Beecher's better. He's a better face-off guy. He's more reliable. Um, I love Johnny really, Beecher's game, dude. I fucking love his game so much. I really like his size, too. I think yeah. that is such a weapon, having four centers. The centers at the Bruins, we've talked about this before. Zaka's 6'3", Geeky's 6'3", Coyle's 6'3". I think Beecher's 6'3". Is, I believe they're all 6'3". One of those guys might be 6'. No, Zaka's 6'4". They're like, it's they're, they're a, a big-ass team down the middle. Yeah. And then to put Bulkvist in there was kind of, you know, what's he, like 5'11 or some shit? But no, I think that's a huge weapon, having having four centers that are that. I mean, leaning on those guys all game, having going the face-off dot with those guys all game. I mean, I know, um, you know, losing Noshik wasn't the biggest loss of the world he was your fourth line center but what you lost in Nosik was his penalty killing abilities and his face-off winning abilities and Beecher's your best face-off guy and it just it, it it doesn't make sense that he's they're putting him on wing or they're or they're wanting to take a, I mean I get it you want to take another look at Bokefist but to your point I think that question's been answered Beecher should be your fourth line center moving forward yeah it's gonna be I don't like Bokefist is good, right? He's a good skill kind of guy. Like, but I like the fourth line, Beecher Laukostein. Like, I just that fourth line I love. You don't have to have four deep offensive lines that score. Like their roles in the fourth line is like they're perfect. I love yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I think Bokefist is a skilled player. He's obviously more skilled than Beecher, but that's not what you need on your fourth line. Like you need a guy who's got, who's a big body, who's going to win face-offs and bust his ass up and down the ice. Not saying that Boakfist doesn't bust his ass up and down the ice, but like, my God, like Johnny Beecher is the prototypical fourth line center. Like he, 
feeds passes, wins face-off, and, and goes post to post nonstop. I mean, you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, you know, I think Boquist is a fine player, but I just think when you're looking for a fourth-line center, like Beecher is a prototypical guy that you want manning that, you know, that line. Yeah, Beecher's him. So shout out Brett again at Brett Howard underscore. Um, and again, follow their pod at only Bruins pod. <clears throat> um, the next question comes in from our, another one of our boys, Tommy Bennett, follow him on, to- on, follow him on Tommy, follow him on Twitter <laughs> at TJ Bennett 37. He said, if the Bruins wait until the summer for a Swayman extension, do you think a team gets bold and offer sheets him? Uh, dude, Bruins are in a vulnerable spot. Like that, I could see it happening. You know how many teams need a goalie right what now? Would he, what would he cost? Like three firsts or something? Three or four firsts if a team offer sheets? I think so. Right around there, two or three. No, 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 no. That's a no. I like. No, 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 no. What do you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say like yeah, I would take that. No, I was not gonna say that. Okay, I was I right. was thinking more along the lines of oh, teams might want to do that because you know Swayman's so good, a team might be willing to move on from those first round picks. Okay, yeah, that's true. I just don't know who that would be. Toronto. That would be a Toronto move, and it would be a Bruins move to then just draft three just st- bona fide studs with those first round <laughs> picks that they lose. Toronto doesn't have the space for them anyway. Was, though, right? Yeah, no, maybe yeah. maybe a team Shout like New Jersey. Yeah, maybe a team like New Jersey. Um, other, uh, there's so many teams that need goaltending. Carolina, um, Carolina, maybe yeah. Um, and that's when you kind of walk that fine line because, like, uh, some of those West Coast teams, you know, uh, like Chicago. Well, I mean, they're not West Coast, Western Conference. Chicago, Anaheim, yeah. Arizona. I mean, those teams could definitely use a goalie, but those draft picks that they would be setting to the Bruins would also undoubtedly be top 10 picks. I mean, maybe not Anaheim because they're on the upswing, and Arizona's been playing some okay hockey, but – you know what I mean? Like the teams that need a goalie are also the ones that are bottom dwellers in this league right now. And I don't know if they'll be willing to move on that much draft capital for someone like Jeremy Swayman. But to your point, someone like Carolina, who uh, I don't know where they are. I mean, they're, they should be, I know they're, they should be better than what they are. What's their record they, this year? Yeah. They just Carolina's 24 and 14. Yeah. They just don't have goaltending. Uh, I mean, Flyers have Carter Hart, but yeah, I mean, there's teams like that who are a goalie away who might be more than willing to do that. But I don't know if Swayman would be willing to jump ship from the Bruins to do something like that. All right, so let me ask you this: what What would his contract look like? We'll say eight years, maximum years, eight years, eight years. Um, I would give him. I would give him eight and eight. Then you have to move on from Linus, though. Well, unless, well, okay. Realistically, I think that he he could get eight for eight. If the Bruins wanted to offer him a deal, I think he would take a bit of a discount or maybe a backloaded contract if it means that Swayman got the, I mean, Olmark got the stay as well. So, like eight by six and a half? I. 
I could still see him getting eight and eight from the Bruins, but maybe it being backloaded where instead of uh, $8 million for the first three or four years, he's maybe to your point making six and a half. And then the last three or four years he's making 10. Yeah. That would be a lot though. I don't, I don't ever, I mean, we can see what happens with the salary cap then, but there's been like what three goalies in NHL history to make double digits or it might only be Vasilevsky. Is there anybody other than Vasilevsky who's made, Double-digit um, numbers. I I, we were, on one of our very, very early episodes, we talked about this with Zach. There's never been a team in NHL history to ever win the Stanley Cup with a goaltender making double-digit AAV. The only exception is Andre Vasilevsky, who signed his extension, but it didn't kick in until after they won their, their most recent Stanley Cup. So technically, he was still making less than 10 mil. I think he's making 10 mil right now. But... I think I would I would give I mean you you can't have Olmark and Swayman on this team together forever. If I were the Bruins, I would feel comfortable offering I would offer him eight and eight. Eight and eight. I I think the highest I would go is seven. He could get more than that though. I know. I know. I know. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky, dude. It's going to be yeah. a tricky situation because there's an X factor of Allmark. If you keep Allmark, you can't have more than $12 million locked up between two goalies. You know, what you only have one out there at one time. What obviously. if they, what if they gave, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if they gave them five years, five years. Do you think, do you think he would take five years and $30 million? So five years at a six million dollar AAV, if it means that Omark got three years and fifteen. So you would have the two of them on this team for the next three years with a combined eleven million dollar cap hit between the two of them. Fuck, this is so hard. I don't know, dude. I I, th- I would do that for sure. I don't know if all my, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 don't know if I, I feel like, I feel like there is a legitimate chance and I could be wrong, but this is just me. I feel like there's a legitimate chance that Swayman would be willing to take a pay cut. If it means that all Mark so. also got a deal and stayed around for another couple years. I think so too. I think so too. And I think um, that this is like uncharted waters for Swayman, Swayman. What is <laughs> for Sweeney negotiating? Because it does like obviously you're negotiating with Jeremy Swayman, but it's impossible to subtract Linus Omar from this equation as well because of how close those guys are and what they've both meant to this team the last couple of years. Yeah, I will say if Swayman wants a, I, I won't say a max deal, but if he wants a legit number one starter type of deal. You can't afford to have Omar and Swayman and also have a top tier team. It's just money wise, it won't work. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it it, it would be perfect if Olmark was like three years older, so he could now start getting his like. I'm not so much a starter money anymore. Now I'm like the starter who's transitioning into a backup kind of money. You know. I have an idea. What is it? Sw- Swayman signs for eight by six, but Olmark gives him like half his salary. or or like they make a deal where swayman has to babysit omar's kids on on road trips or something that and omar has to pay him 
Right. Yes. Yes. So it's a oh, it's a pure transaction. He starts like an LLC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he can get paid for watching Olmark's kids. Swayman, Swayman sitters, or some shit like that. That honestly might work. Swayman, Swayman saves. I, I don't know, fucking know. All right. Well, anyways. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Tommy Bennett again. Follow him on Twitter at TJ Bennett thirty seven. We have a couple more here. Um, this one comes in from Pasta Party. Follow them on Twitter at Pasta Parties. They said, is it time to take Lauco out of the lineup or perhaps send him down to Providence? Oh, by the way, Jacob Lauco, we haven't even talked about it. Liking tweets about himself in the middle of the game. Oh, yeah. What, are, was we, surprising. what are we doing? It's not like it's like you got to search your own name. Dude, you got to like search your own name to find that tweet. Like, buddy, I would, the, my, that was my first thought too. Pablo Sandoval, except Pablo Sandoval was a fat, you know, <laughs> money hungry piece of crap that just took John Henry's <laughs> money and ran away. Lauco's not that guy. So it's kind of different. But like, buddy, like you're in the middle of an NHL game. You haven't been playing the best. Um, your team is kind of, you're on a hot streak right now. Get off your phone. It's intermission. Like, buckle down. You have a third period to play. What are you doing searching your own name on Twitter? Who cares? We're all idiots, Lauco. We're all dumb as shit. Stop listening to what we say. You're the one in the locker room. You're the one playing the game. Like, play your game. Don't worry about what people on Twitter have to say. Yeah, especially with uh, the... the kind of reception that Lauco has on Twitter. Like... Bruins fans are enamored with his Twitter account. Like he yep, tweets all the time. A lot of Bruins fans follow him. I have a hard time thinking that he liked tweets and didn't think that anybody was going to notice that he did. And especially too, because I think about uh, what was that three weeks ago, or like a month ago when Linus Olmark wasn't even playing, he was on the bench and uh, he ended up replying to a tweet with an emoji or something. And everybody thought that that was crazy. And people were tweeting about that and everything. And um, he ended up deleting the tweet. And I thought that, you know, he could have, Lauko could have learned something from that and maybe not be liking tweets during the game. But that's crazy for him to be tweet, like searching his own name to see what people are saying about him. And I just thought that it was, uh, it was bad taste and he should not have been doing that. Yeah. No, like just stay off your phone. Like, don't worry about what we have to say. We're, I said it before, we're dumb. Like, we just, we, <laughs> I don't know about you, but like the way that I utilize my Twitter, whatever comes to my mind, like, I just put out there. Do you? Um, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> sometimes it bites me in the ass. Sometimes I say things that I don't necessarily mean, but the way that I've always operated on Twitter is just like the first instinct that comes to my mind, I fire out there. Um, so, Lauko, just stay off your phone. Um, don't worry about what we have to say. That sounds so dumb. But, I mean, no, I don't think he has to go down to Providence. I think he's he's a bona fide piece of that fourth line with Beecher. He brings a lot of energy. Um, occasionally he brings offense. But, like, he's playing fourth line minutes. He's playing a fourth line role. You don't need him to go out there and produce offense. You just need him to be an energy guy, and he's really good at that. Yeah, you need him to be an energy guy. Get stuff started, draw some penalties, and not like tweets during intermissions. Yeah, it's not don't, hard. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's bad. 
Um, but yeah, shout out Pasta Parties um, at Pasta Parties. <clears throat> next question comes. Next question <laughs> comes in from. Uh, uh, next question comes in from Brad Marchand, C tier collector. Follow them on Twitter at AudiFan underscore twelve. They said, "How many moves at trade deadline, and what do we prioritize in a return?" Ideally, probably two. Two right? moves. Oh, yes. we're on the stage. Oh, high five! Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, no, I'm with you. At two moves, I'm looking for an upgrade at defense, and I'm looking to make that upgrade at defense after I make an upgrade at offense. I want a second-line ah. right winger, and I have yep. and I have made it known that is what I want, and I've made it yep. known who I want. Yep, yep. Um, I'm with you. Second line right winger, um, preferably Anthony Duclair. I don't think you're lacking at center depth as much as you thought you were heading into the season, and much to much of that is to do with Matthew Potra's emergence, um, Pavel Zaka's ability to to hammer down that one C spot, and then Charlie Coyle too having a career year. And you can argue, um, you know, will Coyle be able to? maintain this this level of offense come playoff time and that's a valid argument but we'll revisit that at the deadline but right now right wing and potentially defense as well um specifically left side um but yeah so shout out to um brad marsh on c tier collector at audi fan underscore 12 on twitter thank you for the question next one comes in from new kc recap at HCA Knights go. They said, who do you want gone from this team by the deadline? And what's your ideal bottom six? And then in parentheses, remember Merck exists. Um, ideal bottom six, go Heinen, Geeky, and on the right side, um, I'm, I think I'm forgetting somebody. Heinen, Geeky and maybe where's JVR? I would go JVR Coil Frederick. Okay. Oh no, but I'm then I'm forgetting Marshawn, I guess. Oh yeah. Let me just go through the lines in my head really quick then. Um JD Zaka assuming no trades. JD Zaka Pasta Marshawn. Um, Coyle, Frederick, third line, Heinen, Geeky, JVR, fourth line, Lauco, Beecherstein. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a fine line. What was the question again? Who do you want gone from this team by the deadline, and what's your ideal bottom six? Um, uh, e, I'll say without going with the obvious forber, I'll say Grizz with an update with an upgrade to left defense before you trade him but yeah yeah i i, I really i don't know if this is necessarily I if, somebody i want like gone yeah I, there's really nobody that i want gone I, even though i know that i know that grizzlick has been linked in trade rumors i don't want him gone i still don't want to move on from him. i understand you have to move on from him if you want to make some of the moves that i want to do and if that's case then okay but if there's anybody that i'm like okay let's we're a better team without him on the roster. I can't think of anybody. It would just be Derek forward for the sense of making room to make another move. But like if the Bruins are going into the trade deadline and they don't plan on making any moves and they don't envision getting another defenseman. And if they don't want to get another, another winger, 
then I'm not moving anybody. Then there's, there's like, there's nobody that will be actively shopping that I think would like, if you were to move Derek Forbert, it makes sense from a salary standpoint. That doesn't make this team better. Just shipping Derek Forbert off the Bruins. Like it's, it's, it's not like, so in in that sense, I can't think of anybody that I'd want to just trade for the sake of getting him off the team. But I think the one that, is the one that we've always been talking about that makes the most sense strictly from a salary standpoint and strictly from this move has to happen in order for the moves that we want the team to make to happen. And that is Derek forward. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, next question. Second to last question here um, comes in from Laura. You can follow her on Twitter at King of ping 18. She said, how would you rank Zaka's efforts throughout the season? He's slowed down in scoring, but otherwise, how do you think he's doing? I'm biased, but even without scoring a lot, I still see a lot of this effort and he's working hard. So I don't know. Um, I will preface really quick. So she referenced the um, slowdown of scoring from Zaka, but in his, so, so in his last 10 games, he has a goal and three assists. So four points in his last 10 games to compare that to the, um, First 29 games of the season, he had 21 points. So he had 21 points in 21 games. Now he has four points in 10 games post-Christmas break. I still think he's solid. He's reliable in the defensive zone. Um, He does a lot of things well. He's never a handicap out there, which is one of the major things about when JD was going through his cold streak. It's not that, you know, he, he wasn't a handicap out there. He wasn't making terrible plays that led to goals, nothing like that. He was still playing um, structurally, defensively. And that's what Zaka's doing right now. And the points will come back. Um, the production will come back. But right now, he is in a little bit of a cold snap. But it's nothing to worry about. He plays his role well. Um, when he's not producing, he's doing other things well. So not worried at all. I would give him an, I would give him a B, solid B. Yeah, no, you've. Uh, I don't really know what else I can say to add to what you just said. <laughs> and the the first beginning of the year before the Christmas break, I Zaka one C. We all saw the shirts, the Z A one C H A. I mean, he was our top line center, and he was he earned that position. And I thought that he was playing well, especially offensively. And the last handful of games here, his what are you doing? Just got another cold one. Oh, the last <laughs> handful of games here. Obviously, his offensive production has dipped a little bit, but it's to the point that you said he's still an effective player out there. He's still making plays happen. He's still doing the things all over the ice. He's not a handicap. Um, and I think if you were to expect that he was going to maintain a point per game pace for this entire year, I have a, I have a bridge. To, I got a a lakefront house in Idaho to sell you because that shit was not happening. But all things considered, <laughs> he's still our top line center, and I'm still happy with the play I've been seeing from him lately. Yep. Yeah. Shout out Zaka. He's been such a just such a foundational piece of this year's team. Um. But let's see here. I believe we're on our last question. Yeah, we are. Um. This question comes in from oh, nine. Oh. Oh. One quick little tidbit. Yeah. Pavel Zaka, he is at 99 career goals. One more goal puts him at triple digits, number 100 for his career. Oh, so that's the monkey on his back. Then. That's the that's... monkey on his back. All we just right. found out. All right, all right. So he, once he gets that, he's going to go on a tear. Oh, um, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. That's definitely it. 
All right. So this last question comes in from the 90% no to what is the 90% no to charter cities. Sorry. I just got really confused, but they ask, you can follow them on Twitter at 90 percenters. You, they asked, can this team win the Stanley cup? And we're talking about the real Stanley cup folks. We're not talking about the goddamn mug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say constructed as it is right now. I don't think so. You know what? Constructed as it is right now, this team makes the playoffs, and we all know anything can happen in the playoffs. So That's you're true. goddamn That's right, true. baby. That's this true. team can win the Stanley Cup. Absolutely. All right. You changed my mind. But <laughs> no, you're entirely right to that point. But I just think um, – are they favored? No. <laughs> their their cons- their inconsistency worries me greatly. Yes. At every it, it's the whole team. I mean, you you can't rely on Omar and Swayman to bail you out every single night. I mean, you you can't do that in the play. I mean, I understand in the playoffs, goalie can get hot, and we'll see what happens. But like defensively, this team has looked like ass. For seven, eight, nine games in a row, they've gone through these streaks where they have just looked absolutely terrible. They can't finish games when it goes into overtime. They can't do it. They have more overtime losses than they do regulation losses, which like doesn't sound terrible, but it's what they have 10 overtime or shootout losses to nine regulation losses or some shit like that. I think so. And, um, you can't always rely on the scoring to be there every single night. I think at times, like Trent Frederick is hot right now. Poss is gone. Poss is going to be pasta. Jake DeBrusque has been scorching hot. But when these guys cool off, and if that coincides with this defenseman, these defensemen looking like Swiss cheese, which can happen at the at the drop of a hat, there could be some some bumps in the road come playoff time. And that's the only thing that concerns me is the inconsistency that I've seen at teams at parts throughout this year, because they started the season off screaming hot. We all saw it. And since then they've cooled off quite a bit and now they've kind of gone up and down. They were on like a four game losing streak, four game winning streak, three straight overtime losses. And they picked up, it's just like, it come on. And if they're going to go through these moments, the time is now, but like you said, all you got to do is get in the playoffs. Anything can happen. We, again, we saw the Florida Panthers last year. They they weren't even in the playoffs until the last day of the year, and they made their way all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, yep. yes, they can absolutely win the Stanley Cup as long as they get in the playoffs, but do I have a lot of faith in them doing that? We will see how these next 40 games go. Um, so we, uh, we're not math guys. <laughs> That's been established. Um, what is the percent? <laughs> Hang on, I'm trying to think of one of 16. The Bruins will have a 6.25% chance to win the Stanley Cup. Isn't that the sales tax? Maybe. <laughs> did, I just, did I just look up the sales? The Bruins have a sales tax percentage chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. I'll, t- I'll take that. <laughs> so um, before we wrap up this episode, let's do a quick little um, three game preview before we record next week. So Thursday, seven o'clock PM, Colorado in Boston. 
predictions, oh, Mel. That's gonna be Col- Colorado 28, 13, and 3 at the time of this recording. Boston 26, 8, and 9. Listen, I'm sorry for speaking this into existence. Uh-oh. It's gonna be another overtime game. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna say three to two Colorado. Uh, I don't have a good feeling about this one. I say 5-3 Colorado regulation. Honestly. Damn! All right, so then Canadians-Bruins in Boston, Saturday, 7 o'clock. Prediction? 4-1 to one Bruins. I'm going to say 3-1 to one Bruins. Wait, what, that's in Boston on Saturday? Yep. Oh, are we going to go? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean, mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna beg me, shit. Wait, let me keep talking. I'm gonna go look at game time right now. I want to see how much tickets cost. Um, and then the next, the final game before our next recording is the Winnipeg Jets in Boston. Um, last time we played, yeah, last time we played Winnipeg, Winnipeg blew our doors off. Um, this time it's in Boston. Maybe some little, you know, something to prove. I'm gonna say. Four to three Bruins win in overtime. I like that a lot. I listen, I hate to do this to you, Bobby. Uh-oh. I'm going to say that Winnipeg is going to lose. <laughs> Four to two in regulation to the Bruins. I think the Bruins are going to win it with an empty netter at the end to, to push it to uh four to two. Speaking of empty netters, dude, did you see Frederick's empty netter? The dude just hustled. Oh, oh yeah, dude. when he dove and just hit. Yes. Him. Did you see when he got to the bench oh. and Monty was like patting him on the chest? Like, good job. Good yes, awesome. good dude. Job. I think my new favorite player on this team is Trent Frederick. Every game, oh, dude. It's Right now it's Trent Frederick and Brandon Carlo. Those are my two guys. I love those guys to fucking death, dude. They are everything. I, they embody this team. As a whole, they're, I they're fucking love gamers. them. They're just they're gamers. gamers. They're gamers. And, and it, they're not when when, and that's why I think that they're perfect. Damn, Frederick already has thirteen goals this year. That's why I think that they're perfect because you think about the Bruins and you think about like who are the game breakers, who are the the difference makers in offense. You're thinking of Pasta. You're thinking of Marshawn. You're thinking of maybe Jake DeBrus from last year. You're you're thinking of who, who do you think Zaka can be as one C. And then I feel like then the people who maybe aren't Bruins fans go, oh, yeah, that Trent Frederick guy is pretty good, too. When you think about the Bruins defenseman, you think of McAvoy, you think of Hampus Lindholm, and then maybe you think of Brandon Carlo. And God damn it, I feel like they're just so underappreciated, not by us, because I feel like Bruins fans, I'm confident in saying that we all love Trent Frederick and Brandon Carlo. But around the NHL, it's time they start waking up. Although I hope that they don't wake up to Trent Frederick yet, because he's almost due for a new contract. <laughs> I, they can wait until the Bruins extend him. But uh, no, I'm loving what I'm seeing from those two guys. I mean, every single night they go out and they just play Bruins hockey, and I yeah. freaking love them for it. Yeah, it's beautiful, dude. But um, Brings it to yeah, my... Shout out, shout out to all of you guys for the DMs. Shout out to the, especially lately, we've been getting a lot of new uh, voicemails calling in. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, nothing oh. to take away from Lovell because we love Lovell, but it's really good to hear other voices too. I did want to give one other quick shout out as well. I don't know if she still listens to this podcast. I know she was a huge supporter of ours when we first started out. She hasn't sent in a video in quite some time, and I miss oh, you. Melinda! But shout out Melinda. A year ago, Melinda, if you're listening, you sent me and Sully two Bruins Christmas ornaments. And yes. Every single time I see Sully, 
he either I forget to ask for it or he forgets to give it to me. He finally gave it to me. I have it. It's in my hand right now. It's a it's a Bruins bear with the Bruins logo on it. On the back, it says, don't wake the bear. Wait, keep talking. I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to go yeah, get mine. This, you, I have been waiting so long to get this. Um, I wish I could have got it before we took my Christmas tree down, but that's fine. It'll be going at the top of my tree next year. And right now, it sits right next to me on my desk and I look at it all the time. Did you, the one that you got is yours. Does yours look the same as mine? It has a different front logo. This one's just the Bruins logo. <laughs> Excuse me. Wait, Mel, <laughs> you are gassy as hell tonight. It's coming out of both ends. <laughs> Dude. Uh, oh, here, hold your ornament up. And hang on. I'm going to take a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> we look like idiots. <laughs> All right, I think I took a couple of pictures. I'm gonna send it to you, Melinda, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think I I, I had it um, on the video that I posted about Nesson's screen glitching out in the you know making it look like we're watching the game in the Matrix. The ornament was right there underneath the TV. So hopefully you saw it, Melinda. But um, yeah, it was on my tree this year. Mel um, finally has his. That's my fault. It'll I'm be going very, on mine next year. Uh, I'm a very forgetful human being. If you can't <laughs> tell by listening to 75 episodes of the show, if you can't tell I'm a forgetful person by now, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, um, that just about wraps up this episode. So episode 75, the Connor Clifton episode. Um, the Bruins Hell are yeah. humming. Bring them home. Playing. Yeah, they're playing. No, they're, the Bruins, <laughs> are, <laughs> Bruins are playing well, though. Um, Allmark is back healthy. Swayman is playing well. Um, David Posternock is still on fire. Jake DeBrusque is heating up. Trent Frederick is becoming the power forward that we've all been missing for years and years and years. And it's it's a refreshing and beautiful sight to see. Um, Bruins are still first in the division, chasing down and counting down the days until April, until the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, and this team can go on another run, hopefully pass the first round this year. We may have a date with the Florida Panthers. We may have a date with Toronto. It's going to be a great divisional matchup either way. Um, But until then, keep rocking with us. Keep sending us voicemails. Keep sending us DMs and keep bringing the heat for the show because you guys are the ones that keep it going. So until next time, episode 75 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Three quarters of a, whoa, three quarters of a century years old for the Something's Brewing podcast. I know. I can't believe it. it I feels can't like, believe it. It feels like we just turned 15 and here we yeah. are, 75. We're, what was 75 years ago? World War II? I think so. We're retired now. We're retired old geezers, and we're out on the golf course talking Bruins, talking about the good old days, talking about freaking you know the Great Depression, whatever they used to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, other than that, episode 75 of the Something's Bruin podcast, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow the podcast Twitter account on Twitter at Bruin Something. And you can follow Mel on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Until then, the Bruins, first place in the division. 
26, 8, and 9. 61 points. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Some days I just want to up and call it quits. I feel like I'm surrounded by a wall of bricks. Every time I go to get up, I just fall in pits. My life's like one great big ball of shit. If I could just put it all into all I spit. Instead of always trying to swallow it. Instead of staring at this wall and shit. While I sit right as block sick of all this shit. Can't call it shit. All I know is I'm about to hit the wall. If I have to see another one of mom's alcoholic fits. This is it. Last straw. That's all. That's it. I ain't dealing with fucking politic i'm like a skillet bubbling until it filters up i'm about to kill it i can feel it building up blood is building up i've been sealed enough my cup runneth over i done filled it up the pin explodes and busts ink spills my gut you think all i do is stand here and feel my nuts well i'ma show you what you gon' feel my rush you don't feel it then it must be too real to touch feel the dutch i'm about to tear shit up goosebumps yeah i'ma make your hair sit up yeah sit up i'ma tell you who i be i'ma make you hate me cause you ain't me you wait it ain't too late to finally see what you close-minded fucks what you blind to see whoever finds me is gonna get a finder's fee out this world ain't no one out there mind is me you need peace of mind here's a peace of mind all i need is a line but sometimes i don't always find the words to rhyme to express how i'm really feeling at that time yeah sometimes 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 just sometimes it's always me how dark can these always be the clock strikes midnight one two then half past three this half-assed rhyme with this half-assed piece of paper i'm desperate in my desk if i could just get the rest of this shit off my chest again stuck in this slump can't think of nothing fuck i'm stumped but wait here comes something nope it's not good enough scribble it out new pad crinkle it up and throw this shit out i'm fizzling now figured it out balls in my court but i'm scared to dribble it out i'm afraid but why am i afraid why am i a slave to this trade sign out i spit to the grave real enough to rile you up want me to flip it i can rip it any style you want i'm a switch hit a bitch jimmy smith ain't a quitter i'ma sit it till i get enough and me to finally hit a fucking boiling point put some oil in your joints flip the coin bitch come get destroyed and mc's worst dream i make them tense they hate me see me and shake like a chain link fence but i Where the jaws was coming By the screams of them You would swear I'm sawing someone By the way they're running You would swear the law was coming It's now or never And tonight it's all or nothing Mama Jimmy keeps leaving on us He said he'd be back He pinky promised I don't think he's honest I'll be back baby I just gotta beat this clock Fuck this clock I'ma make him eat this watch Don't believe me watch I'ma win this race And I'ma come back And rub my shit in your face bitch